all of these places and people was just basically collecting individuals and collecting connections. And so my first job in fashion at Ralph Lauren, Matt Boss, who hired me again down the line at Tory Burch, when Tory Burch was like a startup. There weren't that many people there and they were building their fence team and protocol. And so much of my life has been that. It's been taking that connection and then pulling it to the next thing in which I went to be at the next company I worked for. And I really think that's what set me up for success when I decided to start this little community of bringing people together. I started my business not as a business, but just as a destination of putting all the people I've collected in one space. Mama! Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama House Goals is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom, and whatever your goals are, together we're making them a reality. You've heard me say this before, and I can't say it enough times, that allowing yourself to make connections with people you don't know is huge. And going online, sending messages, maybe being in the space of Mama Has Goals or another online community is one way that makes that easier because walking up to someone on the street is more difficult. Finding your right people just in person to start is a little bit more tricky. It's just easier to connect with a larger web, if you will, online. And you have heard me say this so many times. I've met some of the most amazing people doing that. And today's guest is no exception. Emily Merrill is the founder and business coach at Six Degree Society. She's the co-founder of Ready, Set, Coach and the podcast host of the Six Degree and the Ready, Set, Coach podcast. She's also lovingly called 20 Questions by those that know her. Emily launched her career in the fashion world, working in special events and marketing for high luxury brands, including Ralph Lauren, Tory Burch, and Intermix. After a nine-month stint in Argentina post-graduation, and since her leap into entrepreneurship in 2016. Emily's expertise in community building, networking, and business coaching has been applauded and featured by Refinery29, Girlboss, Forbes, and Huffington Post. She's a recent Denver transplant from SF in New York City, and in her spare time, you can find her playing with her son Jackson, hiking with her husband Greg, or making new connections. Also, planning her next taco night. She absolutely loves tacos if you don't follow her on Instagram. And we are here to talk about some amazing things of how she has jumped into entrepreneurship, what that's looked like becoming a mom, how she set herself up for success in her business when she took her maternity leave, what maternity leave meant to her, what it means to be a business coach, how she supports women, why networking and expanding your circle is so important and so much more. Talking to Emily was truly just talking to someone that I feel like I've known my whole life. And that is why she has this amazing circle and why she is such a great resource for so many amazing women. I am super excited for you to dive into this episode. So grab those headphones, maybe a snack and something to drink and sit down. Emily, thank you so much for being here. We were just having so much fun before we even clicked record, just knowing so many random people. It is so amazing how small the world really is when you think about it and how much you have in common with people. And it just reminds me the importance of saying hello on the internet first, because otherwise you have no idea 
who you're going to meet and who you're going to connect with. And I know that networking is so important to you. And I would love for you to just bring us up to speed. Why? Why is networking so important to you? And how did you get started? Yeah. Well, Kelsey, first off, I so agree. I think sometimes we can be circling around each other and it's like, oh, who's going to say hello first? And then a mutual introduction connects to you and you're like, why did I wait for that third person when I could have just reached out and said, we should go grab a glass of wine together? So connection is one of my favorite things in the entire world. And I think it starts from the fact that I'm a Gemini. And I just love and I'm so beyond curious about people and their stories. I think it's actually like a probably a psychological problem I have where I love hearing. I get so excited about meeting new people and like figuring out what makes them tick that sometimes there's like this newness desire where I I care more about the new people at times before the old people, which is not a thousand percent true. But still, I just think that there's so much that we can do when we have connections and when we nurture connections. And like what we talked about, what you just mentioned, like the world is such a small place. It's easier to open doors when you've got those connections that can help do that for you. So I want to make connecting less of intimidating for people. I want to make the word networking something that is less of a scary word. And my ideal like life domination goal or world domination goal is just to make the world a smaller place. Oh, I love that. And your life has transitioned over the years, right? You have a different background in a completely different world than what you're doing now. How has connecting and networking shown up for you in each section and kind of bring us through how you got here today? I actually just wrote an Instagram post about this today where when people ask you, they're like, where are you from? That it's always a very long answer for me because I never know how to just say one place. I was born in Florida. I grew up on the East Coast in Connecticut. I wrote my college essay about going to New York City. It was like my emerald city, my mecca, like the place that I knew I had to be. Yet I chose to go to college in the Midwest because I wanted that quintessential Midwest experience of being on a campus and not being distracted by all the other shiny things in life. And so when it came my time to graduate college, there was a global recession. I don't know if you remember 2009, but it wasn't necessarily the best time to be entering into the real world. I was a Spanish and communications major, and I figured, wouldn't it be cool if I went to a city and learned how to communicate better in Spanish? And so I had studied abroad in Madrid, and people kept pointing me to Argentina. They're like, oh my God, you're going to love Argentina. It's like Europe, but cheap, a lot cheaper. And so At the end of the year, when people are like getting internships or jobs, I kept telling people like, I'm moving to Argentina. And by saying it out loud, so many people got excited to make connections for me. So like my mom would be playing golf and be like, my daughter's moving to Argentina. And they'd be like, oh, my daughter just went to vacation there. Like, let me connect you to my daughter. And then I'd connect to the daughter who has a friend who lives there who connected me with another friend. And it was kind of like, Once you fly that flag, everyone wants to solve that problem of community. So long story uh, short, I moved to Argentina, not really knowing any friends, but meeting so many incredible life-changing people down there. And it was like my internship of life where I was able to take so many steps in different directions simultaneously. So I worked in wine sales, 
for limited production Argentine wines. I did travel planning for Americans coming down to Argentina. I taught English poorly. I worked in a store. I did a lot of networking and actually met someone who was kind enough to edit my resume and send it out to people she knew across the country. I thought I wanted to do PR, which is, I didn't know what that meant. And someone in New York answered it and was six months later, was like, I got your resume and I'm hiring for a job in uh, special events and marketing for Ralph Lauren. Are you still looking for a job? And I said, yes, I had knew nothing. I didn't know what special events and marketing entailed, but like made it up as I went. And so long story, full circle is basically like by putting myself out there with a beginner's mindset, it led me to my first corporate job, which was in fashion and special events. And that's probably not even what your question was, but that's how like the connection of all of the things culminated into who I was before I started my own business. No, I think that's exactly it. Because how would you know that that's where you would have ended up each time going to the Midwest, then going to Argentina, then ending up in fashion in New York? And so often, I think we can find ourselves looking for the path forward and expecting to see it all played out when we're not going to. And some of the best experiences and the best opportunities are going to come from just taking that one step forward and seeing where it takes you rather than saying, well, I need the whole path mapped out. And that's totally played out in your life as well. How did that continue when you then went into entrepreneurship? Yes. Okay. So connections was the question also that you asked. And all of these places and people was just basically collecting individuals and collecting connections and So my first job in fashion at Ralph Lauren, Matt Boss, who hired me again down the line at Tory Burch, when Tory Burch was like a startup. There weren't that many people there, and they were building their events team and protocol. And so much of my life has been that. It's been taking that connection and then pulling it to the next thing in which I went to be at the next company I worked for. And I really think that's what set me up for success when I decided to start this little community of bringing people together. I started my business not as a business, but just as a destination of putting all the people I've collected in one space. And how do you facilitate connection when it's not at a wedding or at a birthday party? Or how many dinner parties can you have before your friends get a little frustrated with you? And so creating this space that was just like focused on connecting and learning from one another also provided people with the space to become friends with each other and not be like, oh, that's Kelsey's friend. I met her at her birthday, but I I can't step on Kelsey's toes and reach out to her. And like it created this kind of neutral space of um, friendship and building. So all of my little moments in life have really paid respect to like the idea of flying the flag and then also asking something of my connections. Hey, I'm new to a city or I'm doing this thing. Can you help or can you, do you want to be a part of it? And it's extending the invitation to people to hop on. Yeah. And having that kind of more the merrier mindset and mentality and Mm -hmm. always having like a good intention so that you're not just receiving benefit, but you're providing benefit as well. And I bet those people that connected you They were so excited they got to be a part of your journey in an even more impactful way by being like, oh, gosh, I moved Emily to this place and got to do this. 
Now, some of those positions, you were a beginner, right? You said going into the first job at Ralph Lauren, you didn't have the experience. And then you were at the beginning of Tory Burch, which is such an amazing opportunity. You'd never been an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur before when you opened up your first business. So how did you allow yourself to stay in the vision of going forward while understanding that you were a beginner and you had to kind of own that sometimes? And then also Mm -hmm. be like, no, I got this and move forward. Yeah. This time I also, I didn't have much currency. Let's just say that. I wasn't starting my business with, you know, 100K in my bank account with VC funding behind me. I can't dance, but I can connect. And that literally was my currency that really transcended everything. So I think people saw that I had spunk and that I also had this value. If I was asking a favor of someone, I wanted to make it so worth their time to ask the favor. So if they did something for me, they donated alcohol to a space. Maybe I had a friend who was an influencer and I connected them and it was a win-win for both of them. And so I think, again, my currency was just generous connections. So at this point in my life, I think of it a lot like a bank where I was putting these like tiny deposits into things And then when the time comes that I go to take money out of the bank, I have this money because everyone is remembering the positive things that I did for them. So I'll give an example. Nowadays, like if I am doing a panel or if I'm doing a podcast or if I'm doing, I'm a coach at Selfmade, Britain Co.'s company, and I'm their head coach. And we do these fireside chats. And I'm like, oh, who are some people I can reach out to? And one of my girlfriends has 50,000 followers on Instagram. She has a cookie company called Tiny Kitchen Treats. And I was her first order. I was her first corporate order. I was the first person that said, you got this. So you can do the damn thing. And I didn't think I was making a difference then. I just genuinely appreciated her and her cookies. And now she will do. She's like, of course, tell me where you want me, where you need me. I will be there for you. Because she remembers that feeling of being like, before she was on before she made Meghan Markle's cookies, there was that first order (laughs) and that was me. And so all of these little moments are so powerful. And I think it's always, it's healthy for people just to take inventory of how these little decisions, these micro decisions can really play significant and big impact in the grand scheme of life. Yeah. You bring up two thoughts for me. I think sometimes there's maybe someone listening and they're like, I don't have those opportunities. I don't even have those friends to support, those deposits to make. And that's potentially true. And I think we'll come back to that. But more than often, I think that we're just not present or awake enough to see the opportunities. And I think that this kind of happens even more with motherhood, right? You get really busy. You're trying to be present even with your kids. You're trying to be present with your partner, with yourself. And then you're trying to find friends outside of that and be awake to opportunities to love on yourself and support others. And it can feel like a lot. What are some ways that you balance all of that and stay present to the opportunities? Oh, gosh. I feel like People are going to say, well, Emily is like an emotional support extrovert. So bring me on the playground. I will make you friends and find those opportunities. But in all seriousness, I think so often we're caught up in our own shit, in our own story, in our own like traumas, our own challenges that we forget to to ask questions. Mm. And 
as someone, and you are such a great example of a good listener, an active listener, and an active question asker, it's not the norm. If you look at your relationships with your girlfriends and you really take inventory, are you complaining about things together or are you genuinely asking them, how are they? How can I support you? And sometimes you need to ask that question, how can I support you, to let them know that you're a safe place where they can fly that flag. And then you can carry that flag and you can support them beyond this one conversation. But so often we get caught up in our own stuff and our own junk that we are in our own Truman shows and we're not looking outwardly at like, how can I support Kelsey? Like before the show started, it, it jazzes me up so much to be like, oh, I want you to meet these people. And I don't know what's going to happen when you meet these people, except you're amazing. They're amazing. And what happens with two amazing people? So is there something simple that you can do even with your own friend groups where maybe they're going through a divorce or one of their kids is struggling in school? Can you take inventory of your world as a whole? Could it be an Instagram account that you look for inspiration that you can send them? Like these tiny moments, it doesn't have to be something that changes their life. It could be knowing that other people like them exist. And I'll give one quick example. One of my girlfriends had a miscarriage at eight weeks and she came to me and she was like, I've never met anyone else that's had a miscarriage before. I don't know even where to go. I sent her like six people. I was like, tell me which one you want to talk to. They've all had miscarriages. I've asked them all. They all want to talk to you if you want to talk to them. And it changed her outlook on feeling so lonely and so dark and sad during this time to realizing that so much happiness can be on the other side of things if you just ask for help. Yeah. And such a big takeaway for me with what you said is also you being that safe place and you asking questions invited her to even ask you, right? So it didn't mean that you had to solve the problem or be the one that could connect and relate with her. But because you've asked the question, she knew to go to you to share what she was going through. And then you were able to provide a resource or perspective or an outlet for her without actually delivering fully yourself. You more just said, hey, here's a path, which I think is so important to remember is you don't always have to be the problem solver. You can just be the connector, which is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way of summing it up. So, you know, your son is only 17 months old, so he's not quite making the exact same connections himself. But how do you expect this to show up for how you parent? How do you recommend connections for kids? And how do you help moms or how do you hope to show up as a mom to help create positive connections between your son and his friends as they get older? I think having a kid and a dog, yeah, kid and a dog are both such catalysts for connections Yeah, where you're able to utilize the kids as a connected tool. So I don't know if you've had this experience before, but you've been on the playground and you see a kid that's around your kid's age and you're like, how old are they? And then you can find out if they like go to the kid's daycare or are in a nanny share or you could present a challenge my kid just pooped himself in the bathtub the other (laughs) night. Have you ever had that happen? Like you can break down the wall, read the room. I think there's a lot of, there's so many people that are scared to be talked to. And so you have to find ways to, to humanize both yourself and them 
but I love using my kid as a connective tool. And it might feel like filler conversation, but being like, I'm new to this neighborhood. He's in a daycare right now, but do you even know anything about the school systems here? I'm trying to like get a sense of them. And then if they've been there longer, they will then be like, oh yeah, I have a really good resource. Let me send it to you. And then you get their information and then you facilitate, you know, you can continue this relationship, which started off helpful, but then you can invite them to your son's birthday or a play date. And I've loved utilizing him as a connective tool. And it's also granted me access to so many communities that I don't think I would have been a part of if I wasn't. A, I know I wouldn't be a part of because I'm not that creepy. But Facebook, mom Facebook groups yeah. or Hey Mama or being on this podcast and it's like leaning into that part of your identity to open up the the bigger door. But to your point about like my expectation for him too, the way that my husband and I have been parenting has been very much like raised by community. Mm-hmm. So like we went on his first flight at four weeks old. He goes to Taco Tuesday every week. He's gone to concerts, but it's really exposing him that like we are not his whole world. Mm-hmm. And I want him to be comfortable being held by my friends and extended family just as much as he is held, you know, he feels comforted being held by me. And it scares me because I like want him to be a sucky baby who's obsessed with his mom. But I also think that in the long run, he's going to be that much more confident to like spread his wings and meet people and fly and have permission to talk to strangers, which is the opposite most parents say, but really feel comfortable like owning himself and who he is. Yeah. And finding that confidence within himself. And on the confidence piece, let's go back to the being in the park situation. I would say nine times out of 10, when you raise your hand first and you go and talk to someone, it ends up being an amazing connection and conversation and relationship. But even though it's nine times out of 10, you might not get that majority right away or you might not get that first one. You're going to be like, I'm never talking to a mom at the park again. What are some ways that you lift yourself up when you have had a connection, whether it's with another mom or in business for yourself or in your career? They're like, that just wasn't my person. How do you remind yourself that just wasn't your person and it's not you and there's going to be somebody else? Well, I'll share two stories. One, I was in Costco and I started talking to a mom and we walked away and she like sprinted up to me. She's like, can I get your number? I'm looking for mom friends. And it felt so nice to be asked because I feel like I'm always the asker. And I was like, it's so true. Like people are so desiring connection and they're just scared to make the ask. So whether I make it or they make it, it's so appreciated. Um, Second, I was just in Mexico for my mom's 70th birthday with my sister. And we did a margarita making class. And it was just the three of us. And then there was two other girls there who I later found out were like big influencers. And one was from New York. One was from Austin. I was just playing the like, you know, the name game. Like you have a city. There's certain people that are known in that city. And they literally wanted nothing to do with me. Like they'd be like one word answers and turn away. And my mom and sister were dying laughing. They're like, I don't think I've ever seen this happen to you before. We're literally like, they didn't even entertain me. And so it was it was humbling, but it was also like, yeah, not everyone is for you. Yeah. Not everyone is going to be your person. I have had so many people I've met before that I'm just like, you're not 
you don't fill my cup, but I do feel like there's something to be said about energetics where when you're with someone, you get kind of like the same thrill you get when you date. You feel that excitement to see that person again, or you feel that desire to tell them things. And I went to Mom 2.0 Summit. I'm actually curious. Were you there? I was not. No. That'd be funny. You were there. Okay. That would have been weird if our worlds had collided and we hadn't met. But going there and you met like a spectrum of moms. And some of them, I just felt like I had known them forever. And some of them, I was like, when is this moment going to pass? Because I can't be in their presence anymore. And you kind of like bless and release it a little bit where, you know, not everyone's for you. Just like you might not love every type of pizza out there or every type of food. And then just keep going and build that tribe that that does get you excited. Yeah. And so one of the things we were talking about is when people don't feel like they have that person to pour into or connect with. And while we're talking about using your children or your animals as a catalyst to <laughs> connect, you've done such a good job about creating those spaces to cultivate the safe place for the women to come to. How would you recommend someone finding something like that? You've been to so many in other different cities. You've created them in different cities. If someone's listening and they're like, I just don't understand how to find that near me, how would you recommend that they get started trying to find something, even if it's like three women or it's 3,000? Yeah. So, well, besides joining Six Degrees, which offers virtual events, that's definitely uh, one opportunity. But I think that as an extrovert, and I've told you a lot of extroverted things that I've done, there is a big introverted part of me that I want to be the connector, but I want to connect you and walk away. I don't want to be the one being like, Kelsey likes this and Emily likes this and find this in common. You guys are both grownups. You should be able to figure out those commonalities on your own. Being the host or hostess, I find is the best way to facilitate connections and to facilitate like that desire for more. So I'll give an example is my sister. She's like the exact opposite of me in terms of introvert. She loves hosting, but she doesn't like small talk and she doesn't like really just like being asked questions. So she scratches her itch of bringing people together by hosting Taco Tuesdays and she'll like busy herself making the tacos or whatnot, but she's in community, but she's not the one like having to ask questions of people or be asked questions of. And so like, is there a way in which you could be the catalyst for that connection? You can start that book club. I started a separate club before I started Six Degrees. Like I created a spreadsheet of all the things that I wanted to be fed during the year. And then people could pick like which separate club they wanted to host. And it was really empowering for people, but it also was awesome because then we had plans and we had like a community where then I would bring my new work friend and then you'd bring your new work friend and we would grow, but we'd grow in this safe place um, together. And that was really like a cool way without having to make it a formal networking event or something outside. And also like a low cost way to bring people into your world where if you trust these original three and you task them each of bringing one guest, you know, they're kind of pre-approved already. Yeah. That is such a fun idea, being able to put the list together. And again, I think so much of this comes back to you do kind of have to go first, right? But you can figure out what your piece is where you're saying like you and your sister are different hosts, right? So you may be like, okay, I'm providing mm -hmm. the space and the concept. 
But everyone else is in charge of conversation and bringing a friend and facilitating beyond that. And I think just giving yourself permission to only have one piece of that puzzle and still kind of kick it off, Mm -hmm. but not thinking you have to do it all. I think that's so important and really relatable to motherhood too, right? Like you may be facilitating the overall what's happening, but you don't have to do it all. I was going to say one of my favorite hacks on like a bachelorette party or a girl's weekend or a ski weekend or whatever it is, is creating a meal together mm-hmm. where everyone feels like they're part of building dinner. And so my go-to and tacos are like a theme of life. If you look at Instagram, it's yeah. like a lot of tacos, but making tacos because everyone has a role. Like you may cut the onions, you cut the tomatoes, you cut the lettuce, you make the meat, you make the margaritas, you heat up the tortillas and everyone feels like they made dinner. Yeah. And it brings people together. It's an equalizer, I think. Yeah. And I mean, everyone loves tacos. Also, Tacos are a really great thing (laughs) because you can kind of make them your own. So like if someone doesn't eat meat or someone wants, you know, no cheese or whatever, you don't have to worry about like facilitating in a different way. We also do tacos for a lot of gatherings because of that. Everyone can kind of do their own thing. So I absolutely love that. A lot of what you're talking about is you organizing and facilitating spaces, opportunities, things for your own life, things for others. And I know organization is something that you really focus on and you also help guide others to learn how to live their version of an organized life. Talk to me a little bit about what that means for you and how you support the women in your world in that way. I feel like my sister would probably say otherwise. She'd be like, you're not organized. I'm definitely, and this is something that I've made a lot of peace with over the years, is I am a B plus person. I'm not an A plus perfectionist. I'm not an overachiever. I'm a really high achieving individual, but B plus is like exactly where I want to be living my life. Yeah. B plus, you get into good college, you get good jobs, get good people, but I'm not killing myself. And that's one of the things that I really love spreading to my clients is like, how can they set up systems or opportunities in their world that are that much more streamlined and a lot more turnkey versus reinventing the wheel? When I was more of an A-plus person, for example, at my very first events, I would like make ricotta dip and bake all of the crostinis and everything had to be perfect. And then I was like, I'm eating all of these at the end of the event. I feel like things could be streamlined. And so now I have a very straightforward three cheeses that I buy at Trader Joe's and, you know, get accoutrements and I still end up eating all the cheese. But it just, again taking something that was so convoluted and over the top and simplifying it. And so oftentimes with our businesses, we can do that same thing. We're making like Christini's when we could just be buying cheese. And so helping people put those particular systems into place, be it an email flow or templatizing things or they realize they're doing the same thing a thousand times and they want to pull their hair out if they ever do it again. And learning how to delegate it to someone else, even if they hire that person just for that one silly task, giving them that permission and that handholding to continue evolving in their business. And because you have a business doesn't mean you have to do it all. Yeah. And that is exactly what I was going to ask next. You say, just because you have this, you don't have to do it all. What are some ways in your business and life, personal life, that you outsource and receive help? My husband literally is phenomenal. And sometimes I'm like, he's going to divorce me just because I don't do anything. 
but he's like an amazing chef and he's also, I don't know, he doesn't eat carbs and he's a lot pickier about what he eats. So I'm like, you know what? You cook. I don't want to upset you. I'll give that to you. And it's like, he finds it enjoyable. I don't find it enjoyable. Same thing with laundry. I lived in New York City for eight years and I had a nice little person that picked up my laundry and then sometimes brought me back my underwear and sometimes my neighbor's underwear. Like I was not really great at the domestic things and he is really great at the domestic things. The other thing that I think has been a game changer is if we both clean, we should probably clean better if we hire someone to help clean and investing in a cleaning person. Also, I love the fact that we like divvy up our tasks. Like I do the mornings with my son. He does the evenings with my son, but it's not like a tit for tat type of thing. He really loves being with him and something that was super important to him, which I appreciate because it like helped me reflect a bit more about the load that women carry was going back from maternity leave. He was like, I know you're obsessed with the mornings. I know you love working out in the mornings. And I know you have events in the evenings, so I'm ending my day at this time so you can always host your events. And so it was like navigating our schedules and to make sure that we were both halfway in compromise and like getting what we wanted out of each other. So I am a better person when I travel and he loves hanging out with our son. And I travel a lot more because I love traveling and have events and friends to see. And people literally will be like, I can't believe if you are leaving your son with your husband. Is your husband like going to kill you when you get home? I was like, that's really scary. That's like the question that I'm being asked. Yeah. But also that's a conversation that we've had. Like, I would love if he traveled more. (laughs) Go, be free. But yeah, it's understanding. And then in terms of business, for me, I was a terrible delegator. I was a delegator fixer, delegate a fixer, where I delegate and then I'd see the mistake they did and then fix it and not tell them and then just like perpetuate. And it wasn't until my maternity leave that I like really got good at being like, okay, this is what needs to be fixed and this is how you fix it. And it would kill me because it was slower. Yeah. But I was actually <laughs> paying someone to do the thing and they were doing the thing and they were learning and growing and feeling more empowered versus me just slipping in there and fixing it. Yeah. And how does that show up for like the short term versus the long term, right? Because there's certain things like, let's say it's doing your laundry or cleaning your house or fixing that email copy or whatever it is that you're like, yeah, it would be faster for me to do it this time. But when I think about a year from now, all the times that I'm going to fix it and should have just had someone help me or support me, then it looks totally different, right? How has that shown up in the times that you've kind of caught yourself And you're like, okay, wait, I need to not do this because of what it means for the future. I think you just said it so beautifully for I would then be doing both the things that I said I didn't want to be doing. But it also has made me a clearer communicator of like what my expectations are and being comfortable articulating frustrations. Like that really annoyed me when I had to resend out the email in the future let's do this. Why don't you send me the email so I can have you a second set of eyes on things and then we send it out. We can update our procedures as we go through different learnings. And I think if anything, having these, I had a boss who said this, foops. I I don't know if I can curse, but effing oops is what he called them, foops. And I think that those foops teach you how to be a better manager 
and also a better employee and be able to communicate that much more of like, maybe we need to have daily check-ins to make sure we're on the same page about things versus you feeling like you're not supported or held by me. Because a lot of times I want to give my people space, but also you have to remember as a manager, they also want to be told that they're doing awesome and to be given feedback and check-in and responsibilities. Yeah, that's all makes sense and true. So one of the things you brought up is maternity leave, right? And some women listening to this podcast are past that part of their life. But I think that, like you were just saying, delegating and organization are really important in that time and so many others. And you had two different versions of thoughts around maternity leave, right? Like as the employee, and then when you stepped into the entrepreneur life. So talk to me about the findings that you had and what your planning looked like with your son as an entrepreneur for maternity leave. Yeah. When I worked in corporate, everyone at Tory Burch, basically any boss I had got pregnant. So if you want to get pregnant, just like I'll be your subordinate and you'll probably get pregnant. And it was seriously every single one. It was wild. And I so envied the fact that they were able to just pack it all up and turn it over to me or turn it over to their replacement and get that uninterrupted three months, not even checking the email, not caring about the business because it wasn't theirs. And so when it came my time to do a maternity leave, I really wanted to do a proper maternity leave. And so first and foremost was like getting my assistants so up to speed on everything. And it was hard in that we were working at least three months out. So we were writing social media captions. We were writing newsletters. I wrote a course to sell, like an evergreen course to sell during my maternity leave. We were selling in for my next cohort of Ready, Set, Coach while I was on maternity leave, but like pre-wrote all of the emails so they could go out. And I think the other thing that was cool too was I had been living in California and I had been payrolling myself and paid into paid family leave. So I was able to not take money from my business when not much money was coming in, but I was already able to, I was taking a salary from what I had paid. And it wasn't perfect. I think there was a lot of things that surprised me where I felt bored at the beginning of maternity leave where I was like, how much Netflix is too much? Should I respond to this email? And so I built my maternity leave where I did check in with my team still, but I wasn't in the day to day. And I think my expectation of maternity leave was I was going to be so checked out, not open my inbox, it's off my phone. And the reality was I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. But who knows with the second, when the time comes that we have a second, I might have a completely different expectation. The other thing too, that was fun. My co-founder of Ready, Set, Coach program, my other business, Lexi, she was pregnant and she was due right after my maternity leave and we were selling this new cohort. So there were moments that I stepped into an event and I felt guilty because I was like, I talk big talk about not working during (laughs) maternity leave. But at the same time, I think it was also empowering to be like, yeah, I can be a working mom and breastfeeding and present. What can you do? Yeah. And I think just giving yourself permission to have it be whatever you want it to be when you do, because it allowed you if you did have a different experience, because you don't know, no one knows what their postpartum experience is going to be until they have a baby. No one has any idea. And it's different for every baby. 
And so you set yourself up for success that if you had had a different experience, you were prepared. But because you were ready, because you felt good, you're like, you know what? I can do this in a way that I want to. And if today all I want to do is watch Netflix and stare at my baby, I can. Yeah. And if I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to do something that makes me feel more like me and not just postpartum mom, I have the opportunity to get in and check my email and show up for a call. And I don't have to be there, but I can be there. And I think that's super, super powerful. Yeah, I think that's a great word to put it as permission. Also, my son came three weeks early. And some advice to anyone out there is like, prepare as much as you can prepare, but also know that you plan God laughs kind of thing. You know, you can have a plan of exactly how you think it's going to be, but you're going to have to learn how to evolve and pivot and to adjust accordingly. Because as much as we hope there's a game plan, there's probably not. That is so true. You can't control life, but you can just control some variables sometimes. You help women specifically become coaches and learn how to build a coaching business along many other things that you do. But that is one of the things that your co-program does. And often something that I hear with women that are looking to start a business or step into really anything new, it could be a career as well, is, well, I haven't done that before, or I don't have enough experience yet, or I'm still learning. And I think this shows up even multiplied in the coaching industry, because typically what you're coaching on, you're never going to be done learning. You're going to always be growing on yourself. So you'll never be the biggest, strongest expert in that because the opportunity to grow is endless and you should be growing and learning. How do you coach your clients to find that balance to know that you need to have a little bit of experience and you need to make sure that you have the information at hand to provide a transformation or a product or a learning or a service to your client, but you're never done learning yourself? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that we see is a lot of people coming to us feeling like their problem that they're solving is very unique. Mm-hmm. And it's not, which sounds terrible, but like each problem that you're solving, we, there's probably another version of you out there. And a lot of times people, when they create something, they feel like they have to create it in a silo, like not tell anyone about it until it's all perfect. And yet, well, building a business is a lot about iterating and about learning and adjusting and experimentation. It's kind of like this like big science practice, really. It's like you're putting spaghetti on the wall and you're like, what's sticked? Okay, nothing. Let's stop. Let's do it again. Let's change my messaging. And so oftentimes I find, to your point, yeah, I think you always have to be learning and growing and improving and asking questions and being curious of what else is out there without letting that be a distraction of like being true to self of how you show up. And so it can be easy to copy someone else's exact model with Ready, Set, Coach in particular. Like we're not teaching you how to coach. You you are the ones with that expertise. We're teaching you of how to put those boundaries in place. We're teaching you how to attract your clients and set up an event to bring people in. We're teaching you how to do market research and hold the mirror out to the world to be like, what do you guys need? How can I best serve you? And oftentimes too, I think there's this aspect of coaching where it's like, I want to be a life coach or I want to be a health coach because I had this transformative thing happen to me that sparked something that 
I want to now solve for X. And so people get certifications, but they'll be like muddled in their certifications. And so often like where I love coaching, my area of expertise that I love coaching on is people who have expertise from like the corporate world or from doing the damn thing. For me with six degrees, I built six degrees not knowing what the heck I was doing. I was taking some learnings from my events world and putting together a scalable business membership, community, events, speakers, all of that. And so people are coming to me to learn that. And so I coach, I business coach on people helping them launch events, partnerships, and communities within their own business. So it's so much easier when you've got that expertise that's proven versus something that feels a little bit harder to experience an ROI on. Yeah. So, you know, life coaching is great, but it's hard to measure like your happiness sometimes for people and it's a harder tangible. So my favorite people to coach are the people who want to take what they've learn from their past and turn it into a coaching business. Yeah. Gosh, that was so good. Emily, we could chat all day. I already know we're going to be chatting more and hopefully in person soon. Truly why it's so important, like where we started to make those connections, to raise your hand, to go first, to ask the question, because you can't expect these relationships to happen if you're not speaking up in some way somewhere. So Let's start with people connecting with you. Where are all the different places they can find you and be in your world? I know we have so many different accounts and multiple podcasts that we will link below. So go ahead and shout them out. And then if you guys are driving, come back to the show notes and click around. Awesome. Well, you can follow me at Emily A. Merrill, like the shoes, not the bank. And then also Six Degrees Society, um, all spelled out with underscores in between each word. And then if you want to learn more about Ready, Set, Coach, we're at Ready, Set, Coach program on Instagram and dot com. And yeah, I am so with you, Kelsey. I think this aspect of reaching out and making that ask and that connection, you never know where it's going to be. And I have to just share that one time a friendship like the one that we were just blossoming on and beginning led to a girl in Canada being like, oh, yeah, I want to go to New York can I come to New York? And I was like, absolutely. I live in a 600 square foot apartment with a roommate. If you want to share my bed, come on down. And she stayed with me for a week. And then when I go to Canada, I meet her in Canada. And just, it's so cool that the world has become smaller thanks to things like social media. Yeah. And that's such a great example of if you don't have that conversation, you could lose out on that friendship that you didn't know was going to end up being such an important part of your life. And it's kind of truly just like how we started, right? You don't see the path. You're not going to see the path. You just have to trust that there's going to be one after you take the action. But you have to take that action first and that connection. And that is truly just so important. What is something right now that you're excited about? A goal that you have and something that you're actively pursuing or putting down the pipeline? I'm always learning. So one thing that I started nerding out on this year was learning more about me, figuring myself out. I've always felt like a Jill of all trades, a master of none. And so I've been digging deeper into human design, into Enneagrams, into gene keys. Mm -hmm. And it's been so fun as like a tool. Even my therapist, I've told her I'm interested in all these things and she'll use them to reflect back to me on things. So I find that kind of self-development has been really cool. And then personally, I just started saying yes to going to a chiropractor, which I've never done before. 
He's like, so what are your goals? I'm like, I have no idea. What should my goals be? And I was like, you know what? I've missed running. After having my baby, I felt like, I don't know, everything felt out of whack. So I've been slowly started running again. And it's painful in Colorado. Like altitude is no joke here. And my mile is slow. I should be walking it basically. But it's like starting something from scratch is also so invigorating and just giving yourself permission to do it. Yeah. And allowing yourself to just grow and evolve. I love that so much. Trying new things, chiropractor, different ways of learning about yourself. That's so important. Emily, thank you so, so much for being here. Cannot wait to chat again soon. And make sure everyone you go tap into all the different worlds because who does not love a woman that is so multifaceted and so strong in every area? That is just such an inspiration. So Emily, thank you for pouring into us today. Thank you. Sometimes the smallest act of love is all a mom needs to feel reinvigorated. If you can relate to that, I'd feel so supported by your five-star rating and written review. Take a moment and let me know what you thought about this episode.